Welcome to All the Answers. I'm Colton. I'm Tyler. And I'm Joel. First, we're going to talk about what we watched this week. Then we're going to look at two Am I the Assholes? And then we're going to go over some questions, including some what-ifs. And some of our questions will actually be uh, written by Tyler, so that's exciting. So, uh, Tyler, why don't you go first? What did you watch this week? You know what? I actually haven't watched too, too much new this week. I did rewatch Kick-Ass 1 and Kick-Ass 2. I love those movies. I think they did a, a really good job on both of them. And yeah, it was kind of like a pleasant surprise to like go back and rewatch them and uh, still enjoy them. Sometimes I'll really like something and then go back to it and find out that it was uh, actually dog shit. Which one do you like more, the first or the second? I don't know. That's a tough one. Probably the first one, but I will say that they don't blow it with the second one. And you see that a lot with franchises where it's like they have one movie that's really great. And then the second one comes out and you're like... God, you guys were obviously just trying to make some money off of this or something. And the passion isn't there or it's just shitty. So, yeah, I'd say the first one is my favorite, but I actually like them both. Jim Carrey really kills it in the second one. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I don't even recognize him during the movie. Yeah, because he's got that big Irish nose on him or something. (laughs) And then with the mask and the accent, he kills it in that movie. I think he's great. Joel, what did you watch? Okay, it's called Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Did you guys... I saw the first episode. You watched it, Colton? Just the first episode, yeah. Did you watch it, Tyler? This is the first I've ever even heard of it. I've never heard of Auntie Donna before, but I guess they're a comedy group. I think they're Australian. Yeah, I think they're Australian. Uh, Yeah, I'd never heard of them before. It feels like an improv show made into a TV show. It's very sporadic. All of the scenes get very much heightened into something extremely weird, and then they just transition into another thing. I like that kind of weird, not your typical humor. Is it like the Eric Andre show or something? No, I I wouldn't compare it to that. Just because Eric is a little bit more manic. <laughs> These guys are are just more like wild and zany kind of. Eric Andre is like aggressive. They're not aggressive. That's how I would describe it. Their jokes are like one guy is glitching out in the scene for some reason. And just weird character humor and stuff. But it's not as uh, aggressive and esoteric as Eric Andre's show. Like my girlfriend was the one who suggested we watch it and halfway through the first skit, uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but uh, basically the skit is that everything is a drum. And um, yeah, my girlfriend was like, shut it off. I can't watch it, this anymore. Like she, she couldn't get through it. I powered through for like, I powered through to the end of the bit and then I shut it off halfway through the episode though. It was a little bit much. It was late at night we were watching too. It's, it's definitely a high energy show. Yeah, I think it's a bit much too, honestly. So you guys aren't advocating for it then? You're you're not saying it's like a great show? Like I would give it like a 6 or 5 out of 10, something like that. Well, in terms in terms of production value, it's pretty well done and and like I think they they thought things through very well, but it's definitely a a specific person is their audience. It's it's not for everybody whatsoever. Like and it doesn't have like clean, refined jokes. Like it's not that type of show. So if so- if someone loves improv, then they would probably love this show. That's really how I would describe it. I'm going to have to check it out and then uh, make a judgment for myself. Uh, I feel like something, I don't know anything about it, but something about it just from your description sounds like 
what I would be interested in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it it's horrible. Then I'll probably love it. Uh, what about you, Colton? What did you watch? I have been watching episodes from 2013 of The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. And I loved that show when I was a kid. And I remember being so tired watching it when I was, I don't know how old I would have been. I guess like 11 or something like that in 2011. But uh, yeah, but I've been watching the 2013 ones. And I just find that show is such a good late night show. Like it, it breaks so many rules and traditions of them. His side host is Jeff the gay robot. <laughs> he doesn't have a band. It's just so crazy. And what I like the most about him is he doesn't stick to the script. At the beginning of interviews, he rips up the cue card and just throws it away. And it seems, I don't think he really, during his monologue, I don't think he reads jokes off signs. It seems like he doesn't. And he just jokes around. He's very funny. I It, it feels more real. I, honestly, it's almost what made podcasts so good because it feels so real. What are you watching it on, Colton? I just watch it on YouTube. There's so many episodes on YouTube. I've even been watching David Letterman Late Show episodes too. Because, I mean, they're hand in hand, right? David kind of put him on, so worldwide pants. But um, yeah, so no, I've been watching Letterman, but mainly Craig Ferguson, just because I love Craig. So They all kind of do the same things, though, on this show. Yeah, like none of them stand out, except for um, Conan O'Brien. I like Conan, but I don't, he's been around a long time, so. Who's the British guy? That's the one I've seen. That's James Corden. No, not James Corden. A different British guy. John Oliver, maybe? John Oliver, that's it. Yeah, John Oliver, I've seen. His show's like kind of different. It's his own show. It's not the... Is it a talk show? I don't even know what his show's like. I think it's more like Trevor Noah's show. Well, Trevor Noah's show is The Daily Show, which used to be Jon Stewart's, right? So... Okay. It's in that same kind of territory, I would say. Okay. I think without a live audience, you really start to see holes in shows like that, right? Because you hear the punchline and you hear the laugh track or you hear the crowd going and you kind of chuckle along with it. But if it's just deadpan silence and they're filming it in their living room or something like that, because a lot of those shows had to do it that way, at least for a little while, it, it really kills the funny for me. Anyways, it like really takes me away from it. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm not into it. Interesting. I watched some of the ones that Jimmy Fallon did from home and I actually like those more than his actual ones lately. Because he's trying to tell these jokes that he wrote, and his writers, I guess, too, but his kids aren't laughing, or his wife laughs at every, like, fifth one, and then he's trying to tell a joke, but his kid is crawling on his head, so it's, like, impossible, and then the kids don't get the jokes, because they're just don't, they're not into that, and I kind of like the dynamic that he, doing it at home worked for him. Which one of the Jimmys, either Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, is rumored to be a raging alcoholic? Fallon. Fallon? Yeah, he's got... He's got lots of like articles that are about that kind of thing. And I think he's Irish too, so. <laughs> it would just be a great show to if he just got snapped up and like filmed it in his living room. I think it would be hilarious. That's what I want out of your late night show. I mean, mind you that the shelf life on something like that is pretty short and no studio would ever get behind it. But I do think for an episode or two, it might be funny. Yeah. I mean, sometimes on the show, he does a couple, like, he'll have, like, a drinking game kind of thing. But obviously, it's pretty light. They're not having Jimmy get smashed. Imagine Jimmy gets, like, violent and angry <laughs> from drinking. <laughs> That'd be so good. And then they do their, like, wheel of impressions, and he's just like, I hate this! I hate That'd be so good. <laughs> yeah.
get into some Am I the Assholes now? Yeah, let's kick it off with some Am I the Assholes this week. All right, let's do it. Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. <laughs> so this first one is brought to us by Dash Gfart. So thanks a lot, Gfart. Am I the asshole for laughing after my mom exposed my girlfriend's art? My girlfriend is a fantastic artist. I truly mean that. She is exceptionally talented and dedicates a lot of her spare time to perfecting her craft. She doesn't sell her pieces, so her art is mostly just a hobby, but she does have a portfolio of some of her favorite pieces. There was a trend on social media of women painting their nudes as if it was under an infrared camera. My girlfriend participated in this trend and I really liked the final product. It's not very big and it's not extremely detailed, but I think it's cool and my girlfriend is proud of herself. My mom is staying with us for two nights. One thing that I think you should know is that my mom is extremely nosy and coupled with the fact that she also really likes my girlfriend's art. So the second night, my mom literally went searching for the portfolio. My girlfriend tried to stop her, but my mom was very adamant. When my mom found this scandalous painting, all hell broke loose. My mom almost started screaming at the top of her lungs about how much my girlfriend was a disgrace, how she was disgusting, and how she wasn't pure for wanting to draw something so taboo. My girlfriend was obviously slightly embarrassed, and after my mom was finished rambling, I laughed. Then I told my girlfriend to call a taxi first thing in the morning to kick her out. My mom is mad that I laughed at her, quote, pain. My girlfriend is, is upset that I laughed because that didn't solve anything. Am I the asshole? Okay, I just want to start off by saying the way this guy writes this, it's as if his girlfriend is standing over his shoulder watching him type out all the words. He's like, <laughs> I just want to clarify, my girlfriend is an amazing artist. Yeah. Right, sweetie? Perfecting her craft. Perfecting her craft. Yeah, it, it's just, it sounds a bit <laughs> staged or forced or something to me. I've seen this trend on social media a lot. And my brother's girlfriend actually did this. She spends a lot of time at home <laughs> while he's working. So she's got a lot of free time. So she made one of these and she hung it up in their bathroom. And my mom goes over there all the time. <laughs> I've never been around her. Well, like we've never been in the same room <laughs> as the painting at the same time. But I just imagine what the look on her face is like when she sees a pair of ass cheeks just like painted on the wall. <laughs> a little bit of glitter sprinkled on it. Like, I mean, oh God. to me, it's, I just think it is tacky. If you ask me, if I'm being completely honest, and if you're in a so wait, sorry to cut you off, uh, just because you've seen one actually, what like how identifiable are the people in the pictures? Like, is it obvious that it's them? Oh my god. Okay, so you know when you were a little kid and you would take your hand and dip it in paint and then put your handprint on something. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Okay. My understanding is basically they like sit down in. <laughs> like paint oh my god and then like put their ass cheeks on the the paper basically and like paint a little foot on it so it looks like they're kind of like kicked back doggy style type thing <laughs> it's it's all over tiktok and that type of stuff i've seen it a lot honestly the really good ones you can tell that it's a naked woman it's very obvious oh, okay yeah it's not like it's super abstract and blurry they're they're pretty um you can tell you know what's going on 
Mm-hmm. It's definitely ass cheeks on on a piece of paper. <laughs> but I just think if she is such an amazing, talented artist, you could probably do better. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so who's the asshole here, in my opinion? I would say the guy is definitely not an asshole. Because just the ridiculousness of the entire thing is, to me, I if I was in his shoes, I might be laughing as well. Yeah. I think that the mom is definitely an asshole. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. First of all, for putting her bloodhound nose on and sniffing around the house trying to find this portfolio is just weird. If the girlfriend doesn't want you to look at it, there's probably a reason for that. Yeah, that was the first thing that I was like, well, I, I already know who is the asshole in this situation. Mm-hmm. I almost want to say the girlfriend's an asshole too for not just taking it in stride. But at the same time, I get what it's like to kind of put yourself out there cre- creatively. And aside from that, it's also her ass cheeks on some paper. So she might be feeling pretty stupid right now <laughs> after getting called out for it. So Yeah, because she's just mad because he didn't, he didn't do anything to make his mom like he just laughed, which she's not mad that he laughed. She's mad that he didn't do anything else to to help her out. Right. Which I kind of get. But still, I mean, I don't think there's anything. I don't think he's an asshole for laughing. Maybe maybe he should have done a bit more to try and change his mom's mind and, and stick up for his girl a bit. But yeah, I, I think he's mostly in the clear. Did it say how old he was, Colton? I was also wondering that. I think that said that they were in their 30s again. Whoa, what? Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Bro. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. If for the mom, first of all, to have such an issue with it, it's like, this is a 30 year old man and a 30 year old woman, hopefully. Oh yeah. No, they're not like 12 or something. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. If you're 30 years old and you still have your purity, I mean, come on. It's a lost cause, mom. Yeah, I agree. The mom is a is a asshole for sure. I would absolutely agree. Court adjourned. Court adjourned. Boo, you suck. Maybe now she'll learn not to be so nosy. Maybe she'll this will be a curve for her. Oh no. Not for people like that. No. <laughs> no, probably not. Should we do another one? Yes. So this one actually I think is great. It's from Cassandra Novandra. It's a bit longer than that previous one, but I like this. I like this one. So am I the asshole for telling a co-worker to either lock her kid in the closet or call back when we can get some work done? <laughs> I'll read that again. Am I the asshole for telling a co-worker to either lock her kid in the closet or call back when we can get some work done? I work with a team of 10 people and we're all working from home. The company has worked to cater to people who have kids, such as allowing flexible hours, last minute changes, etc. Most of our Zoom meetings are done within a quick 30 minutes. We do one weekly hour check-in to make sure everyone knows what's up, and if anyone needs help, etc. Jamie has three kids. Two of them are old enough to where they're doing virtual school and are polite. The third kid, the youngest, however, is in that bratty little kid phase where they make non-stop noise, and if mom isn't paying attention, it's the end of the world. We're trying to be accommodating, but every meeting, when it's her time to talk, it's endless screaming and, Mom, Mom, look at this, why aren't you paying attention? And 
then cute interruptions like the kid will get up in the camera so we can see up his nose and yell, hi, 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 over and over when she's talking. She's been told a number of times to make sure she carves this one hour out of her week so we can get work done together, professionally, as a team. Yet, every week she gets all sheepish and says, I just can't say no to him and shit like that. This week, I snapped. I'm waiting on a huge project from her, and she needed to explain where she's at so that I could be prepared for the handoff to take control. In the middle of her explanation, the kid starts going, Wee! as loud as he can in the room, swinging around a toy. I couldn't hear shit, except for the, Wee! and I had enough and I muted Jamie and said, I'm done wasting my time here. Let's move on until Jamie finds a closet to lock that kid in so we can actually get some work done. Other people on the Zoom call either cracked up laughing or looked uncomfortable. I get it. Putting her on the spot like that was rude. But at the same time, forcing the constant we and noisy interruptions and cute antics of the kid on your co-workers who are just there to get some work done is beyond obnoxious. Jamie went off crying to her supervisor, who ended up saying essentially the same thing as me, but with more tact. It's been an issue since all this started, and I'm not the only one who's lost their cool with Jamie over it. However, some people with kids have banded together to complain that we're putting too much pressure on Jamie, and it's unfair to expect that she would be able to just turn off being a mom like that. Am I the asshole? This is kind of a tough one. Obviously, from the sounds of it, this person doesn't have kids, so... This idea of locking the kid in the closet and <laughs> until she's done getting her work done is a bit insane. And the way that she did it, I hope that she's not in a leadership role because that is not how you lead people. It's the opposite of what you should do. At the same time, I get the frustration and I can imagine that it would be extremely frustrating to have to deal with some insane kid all the time and just have no recourse from the mom. I think when it comes to the QC stuff, the mom is probably in a position where she's trying to make her kid a little bit easier to empathize with, right? She's like, yeah, he's a little insane, but he's pretty cute. You know, maybe if he does some cute stuff and makes the other people laugh, they won't loathe him as much. So I think this is such a tough spot to be in. And I imagine this is one of a million similar stories across every industry in every country right now with COVID. I mean, the mom needs to hopefully maybe get the dad involved or to get a family member or somebody over to like help during that hour so she can get her work done. But the other person needs to not be such an asshole. And even if she is frustrated, that's not the way to express yourself for sure. Well, I do think it's worth noting. It says here that several people have already talked to her about this. This isn't like the first uh, warning or something like that. Yeah, it, from the sounds of it, it doesn't seem like the lady is is taking her kid as a big enough problem. Like she's still letting him dick around on camera and and be loud, and she's kind of, she's trying to play it off like no big deal because maybe it's not a big deal to her. Um, so I think she's a, she's in the wrong for sure for not just you know doing what she can or at least like telling her kid that like not not letting the kid think that it's okay to do that but yeah definitely i don't know if i would i would say that that person should have called her out in the middle of the i mean it's, it was a good joke but i'll be honest but yeah maybe maybe like she he she he or she should have said something to that lady uh maybe in private 
in a little bit of a more professional way. No, it, what she says, she just can't say no to him. That was one of her responses. Like, be a parent. Uh, yeah, it's tough because it is probably like a COVID thing. Like, her kids probably aren't allowed in school and stuff. But yeah, you got to do something like just even, you know, like put like going into your bedroom and locking the kid out and just being like, look, I need an hour. Like, it doesn't sound like she has the reins on him very well. Sounds like I think that he is being an asshole, but I also think it's justified because I also I do think there's this thing where at some point you can be an asshole and it makes sense to be. That's something that subreddit doesn't really cover. That's always about, am I the asshole or not? Well, sometimes it's like, yeah, you're the asshole, but she has it coming. So, okay, so what? I, I would have been the asshole too if I lived that experience, I think. Kids suck. Well, I think we covered that one pretty good. Should we move on to some of our questions? Let's move on. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why? Because I didn't pay attention in school, okay? I didn't listen in class. If teachers never gave failed marks, how would that affect students? The thing is, like, I think it's necessary to have some chance of failure. I mean, if there was no chance of failing, then what would be the purpose of even trying? And uh, at least for me, I know that the, the idea that I could possibly fail something is what motivates me to put the work in. Because otherwise I would just be, I wouldn't learn anything at all. I'd just be like slacking off the whole time. I think though... Um, that's true, but also, I think it also, the question changes if you look at it through different age groups. So, a kid that's in grade three, I feel like it makes sense for them not to fail something like, even if they have something that's wrong or could be better, because the thing with failing someone very young is it might just discourage them, which is kind of the opposite of what you're trying to do for them at that point. So, I, I kind of wonder if maybe it would make sense if you did it for like a, a very young student but don't you think the reason basically your grades are a measure of how well you know the course material or a measure of success uh, particularly when you're young and i think they hold kids back so that because they're not ready to go to the next level right and it's like they may be able to hold them back when they're really young and correct some of those behaviors or teach them things that are necessary. But it, I think it would be a lot more difficult to take a kid who's in, say, middle school or high school and then trying to like rectify these mistakes or, or teach them things that are fundamental cornerstones of education that they didn't learn when they were young. Like imagine if you were in grade one or two and never really learned how to read. I mean, that actually happens all of the time, right? There's, it's extremely common. And I mean, if you're not literate, then it's going to, it basically will impede the rest of your life. So I think um, it's important to, to fail, <laughs> fail those <laughs> stupid illiterate kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fail those little kids. No, I agree. And like, uh, it's also interesting because in like, I worked with someone who is from China 
And you know how we have to, like, memorize, like, times tables up to, like, I don't know, 10 times every number and then 12 times every number somewhat? Like, for them, they had to do it till, like, I think it was, like, 24. And then, like, all the numbers. Like, they had to memorize it way more than we ever did. And But I don't think a lot of them get very discouraged. Even if they... Well, that's not necessarily true. But they, they do remain achieving. That's the thing. Like, they, they continue to achieve even though there's lots of pressure always. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a direct result of of that pressure, right? They know that if they don't perform and they fail, it's going to be an absolute disgrace to them and their family. And it's just, it is the cardinal sin, basically. Yeah, there's probably like um, some level of like uh, mental health that comes into play with that kind of thing. But they do also succeed because of it so it's it's kind of a tricky thing to balance i guess yeah i mean if there was some way to i I guess really what it comes down to is it's probably more nuanced than that right like in a perfect world you could kind of meet everybody at their level and figure out what was best for them so maybe some kids need failure to be motivated or some kids need to be coddled a little bit more in order to grow into grow some confidence and be more successful that way. But I think as a a general rule, the system that we have works pretty well. I think back to like school and like the kids that I knew that in grade like four about um, that were like not doing good in school. A lot of those kids like even years later into like grade 12 didn't have good grades still it's there's something I don't know why that is that's really something that intrigues me like what could we do differently so that those kids don't stay it might just be that school isn't the right learning setting for them it might not even be something like that but a lot of those guys maybe they become motivated after school and then they find a job they like and then maybe they get some additional schooling for it at Red River or something but like a lot of them that weren't do good, doing good in grade four and had bad marks pretty much stayed that way. In my experience. It's interesting. Um, I know there's a few. There's one high school here in Winnipeg who has, I can't remember what the teaching model is called. It's a high school. Um, and instead of doing like standardized testing and that type of stuff, they the kids tell them what they want to learn and then they create a curriculum around that. So for example, when I was working at the hair salon, we went to go do a fashion show at this high school because one girl decided that she was really into fashion and she wanted to be some sort of fashion designer when she grew up. So they taught her math through the lens of fashion where it's like, okay, you need to learn how to figure out these angles in order to cut the fabric or something like that. Right. Or geography where it's like, you're going to have to put on this fashion show and bring different pieces of clothing from all these different places in the world, that type of stuff. So I think there are more progressive ways of teaching that are kind of coming down the pipeline. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that stuff works. But I think it's good to have some sort of metric to see how much of this information are you retaining and that type of stuff. How are you performing? Right. An- another interesting thing 
um, I was speaking with another client while I was at the salon who was a high school student. And he was saying that they're basically overhauling curriculum right now because they're trying to basically prepare students for the future. And the idea is essentially that they need to teach kids things that only humans can do because with search engines and automation and AI and that type of stuff coming in the future, they're like, it doesn't really work for us to have tests where we ask people questions that they can just Google, basically. Like we need to focus more on critical thinking or problem solving, things that are innately human because these skills are not as necessary and we might be preparing kids for jobs that don't exist in the future. No, that's an interesting point. And I, I feel like more, like more focus should be put on like critical thinking anyways and those kind of um, less traditional areas of academics. Like I, I feel like that should those kinds of things should have been being taught all along. I'd love to learn more about taxes and stuff. Like, I wish I knew more about that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And investing and, and, and not even just investing, but just like having good finances in general, like just being able to like understanding money wisely and like knowing, man, because I fucking, I've made probably so much money, especially bartending when I was living at home and not paying rent and just making so much tips. I have nothing left from that like if i had if i had a just a bit of knowledge of like what i could achieve with that if i if i didn't blow it i probably i mean all of us could probably be a lot better off financially if we were taught that in school man me too like the amount of tips from hairstyling and working at bars and that type of stuff just money that was made that was just needlessly pissed away on things is absolutely ridiculous and I used to, I remember when I was living on my own, I used to have this drawer in the apartment and it was just overflowing with bills. Like I'd get bills in the mail. I wouldn't even open them. I'd just stuff them in the drawer and close it as quickly as possible. And then I'd open it back up. It'd be like opening a closet door in a cartoon that was overfilling. I'd be like swamped in this stuff. It literally, it looked like that scene in Harry Potter where the letters start coming in <laughs> through the mailbox. That was my apartment every time I opened this drawer. No post on Sunday. <laughs> no blasted letters today. No, sir. And I mean, I ended up in, I had like, you know, a couple thousand dollars worth of debt. And uh, it took me months of hard work to, to pay it off, right? And I eventually smartened up and like I got that stuff in order and I became kind of a more responsible adult. But I think if I had, because sometimes these things just start and it gets out of your control before you really realize it, right? And uh, yeah, if I'd been a bit more educated on my finance, a bit more educated on credit cards and uh, stuff like that, then I probably wouldn't have made some of those mistakes. Yeah, and this isn't, and these aren't new problems either. Like, the, like our parents and people our parents' age and older have been making these mistakes as young people. Like, it's been happening forever, and like, it's still not something that like nobody's clued into. Like, hey, maybe we should teach people how to take care of themselves financially. It works really well if you're young and you make a mistake like that and you learn a valuable lesson. 
But if you continue to make that mistake and you're later in your life and you start to have assets, maybe a mortgage or some kids or a business, and you still haven't clued into uh, saving or you're still just spending recklessly, that type of stuff, there are real consequences. It's really terrifying. Oh, man. I uh, I worked for a guy um, and he he's like in terrible debt and just can't figure it out. Just like takes out, he like, he gets those payday loans and he borrows money from people and he, he gets advances on his paychecks all the time. And then it got so bad. He, um, he asked this, like the place I worked for, they took on a lot of, um, uh, immigration, uh, uh, people with immigration visas. So like they need to be working, to stay in the country and yeah and so he he has this one guy um from uh, this chinese guy and uh he he basically asked him for a thousand dollars for to make a a payment on like this engagement ring he was buying for his girlfriend and and so like the the guy gave him a thousand bucks and like two months went by and and he's he's not giving him his money back, and so the guy ended up going to like the owner of the store to be like, "Yo, I lent I lent my boss like a thousand dollars. He's not paying me back. Can you?" And so like obvi- like the guy got in so much shit because like these the kid like he always asks like these um, like the Im- immigrants basically it seems, and it's almost like like what can they say? Because he can kind of like hold that over them, right? Like yeah, it's, it's a fishy situation, and like that's like it's crazy that people aren't taught more about that you know with uh, engagement rings now you can get um you can get ones with diamonds that were made in a lab so they're like perfect diamonds but because they're made in a lab they're way cheaper they're like half to a quarter of the price of a normal engagement ring but they're real diamonds and everything it's kind of interesting yeah i feel like most of my lessons on that stuff have just come from my parents just you're like we had a class in school that was about like calculating the cost of a mortgage and stuff like that which doesn't really hold a lot of weight for you until you're way like out of your 20s basically really so yeah i i would agree but um my grandpa is very cheap so he has lots of money saved up because he's just always been like that and i kind of have i have that gene in me for some reason and my dad's always like oh you're just like dad like his dad right like oh you're just like grandpa or he'll see my like my bank account after getting a new job after a couple months and he's like are you saving all this money? Like, cause I just don't spend it for some reason. I don't know why, but so, yeah. Yeah. My grandpa's pretty, my grandpa's pretty well off too. And he, he told me, uh, cause uh, I'm kind of getting older now and I, and he's, he's just like sprinkling life advice at me all the time now that I'm an adult. And, uh, he told me once, uh, he's like, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you spend. And like, I basically, since he told me that I'm a cheap fucker, like I do not, I spend money, as little as I can. Yeah, like, uh, and that doesn't mean, like, don't spend it. Like, spend it on something that's fun and you're going to get your value out of it. But it's always about balancing it, right? It's like, it's always like that. Um, I want to go on to one of Tyler's questions because I still have a lot of other ones. So I'm going to jump over to his questions. If you were speed dating and could ask three questions, what would they be? What's your name? That's my first one. <laughs> that's a good place to start man that's a weird concept do people even speed date anymore 
I feel like uh, you could describe almost everyone's relationship as speed dating now. Everybody's on Tinder. Everyone dates a girl for like two weeks. Dude, I don't know. I haven't been on a date in five years, like with a new person. So I think for me, it, it depends like, oh God, that's such a, tr- a tricky one. So I'm going to go under the premise that say you're doing traditional speed dating and not on tinder like young people basically are speed dating by swiping left or right more or less right that's like modern speed dating but if you were to go today and do speed dating i'm assuming you'd be with kind of an older crowd right like people who were a little bit later in their lives and weren't comfortable with the online thing and wanted to go with the the og speed dating so if i was also in that position and i was trying to find a a real partner for the rest of my life and I could only ask three questions, I'd just like boil it down to fundamental things that I want out of my life. How much money do you make? <laughs> yeah, how how much do you make? <laughs> just boil it down to three financial questions. Do you have a will already? <laughs> Is your will subject to change? Yeah, what's your will? What's in your will? <laughs> how much are you willing to share your money? I'd probably, I'd ask like, if they want to have children, maybe religion. Yeah. Religion would be a good one. And honestly, finance might be a good one too. Like maybe not ask them how much money they make, but here's what I picture. Tyler's like, what do you do for a living? And then they go like, Oh, I'm a, I do the blah, blah, blah. And then Tyler goes on his phone. Oh, I just got a text. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. Median salary. <laughs> yeah. But you can make a lot of money and spend a lot of money, or you could make very little money and, spend very little and like i guess yeah I'd, I'd be like interested to know what they're i don't know god they, i wrote this question and it just sucks uh, i say that you're a terrible reporter that's what i say i think it's a very nasty question time for another question how would the world be different if there were no conspiracy theorists i think people would get away with a lot more shit like can Conspiracy theory has become this blanket term that you just throw on somebody to discredit them. And it's so easy to just say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory or it's a conspiracy. And then everybody turns their nose up at it because they don't want to be looped into that camp, right? You don't want to be a nutty conspiracy theorist. like. But I mean, there's a lot of conspiracies that happen that are real and... um I think that if there was no, people had no concept of conspiracy theory or anything like that. There was no, you know, people dedicating their lives to that type of stuff. Well, I think the difference between a conspiracy theorist and an investigative journalist is that the conspiracy theorist has a belief that they're, that they just want to prove to others, even though they don't have proof yet. Meanwhile, with the journalist, they're, they have something that might be true and they want to find out if that's the case. You know what I'm saying? That's a good point. I I think if anybody is at this day and age willing to label themselves voluntarily as a conspiracy theorist, then they probably are insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That is the most self-aware conspiracy theorist of all time. uh (laughs) Then like the first one to be that self-aware too. (laughs) I know a guy who's like, he was, um, 
a huge like conspiracy theorist. Like, uh, we have the reptilian brains that give us fear. And like, I found this person in this old photo who looks a lot like this recent person. If I can prove it's the same person, that means we don't exist. And like, when I'm not looking at things, they don't exist. They only exist when I look at them. Like, he had, like, all these crazy, like, wait, what? Things. He thought that um, Mario in a video game was alive and in his own universe. Like, he had all these crazy beliefs you've never heard of that he rationalized. So, what he did was, like, he kind of was, like, realizing this is not healthy. I'm, I'm up all night on my phone for this stuff. So, what he did is he got rid of his phone. He got a flip phone because then it cuts you off from all of that for in his experience that's the ultimate conspiracy theorist like checkmate yeah <laughs> like, they 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 like checkmate themselves he like opted out uh-huh yeah exactly that's a great way to put it he opted out <laughs> it's kind of like like i don't know man if imagine if you knew what your problems were and you had a way to solve it that easily <laughs> i don't know like that's just the the, the conspiracy theories that i find the the most, I don't even know how I feel about them. Just odd to me. Like, I understand, like, the flat earth conspiracy theories and, like, the the global, like, the QAnon and stuff. Because those are, those are conspiracy theories where people feel like their lives are being impacted. So, I kind of understand where those people are coming from. Not that, not that I um, believe any of it at all or that I think it's rational. But I just, I get where they're coming from. Certainly not. <laughs> I, I don't believe at all. Yeah, Joel was just yeah. like, I agree with flat earthers. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I agree with them. No, no, but what I'm saying is, is what I'm saying is the fact that like it hasn't, it has like implications on their life. They claim is why I understand that they could believe it. The things that I don't get is when people think that like Gucci Mane was like cloned. And, like, the Gucci now isn't the same. Or, like, there's ones about the game, too. Like, those hip-hop con- conspiracy theories are, like, what ben- like what benefit do you have from that being true? And, like, what's your explanation for that? Like, I feel like there's a couple things. Like, one, there's this, like, feeling of, like, oh, I know something that not everyone else knows. Like, that's, that's probably rewarding. Also, it makes life a little bit more interesting, a little bit more entertaining, I really think. Like, because every time there's a conspiracy theory... It's never about, it's always a more um, entertaining or fascinating viewpoint. Like, no one's ever conspiracy theory, uh, oh, the government's telling the truth on this thing. Like, it's never that boring, right? (laughs) Or, or like, there's no conspiracy theorist that's like, um, Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Like, right? Like, there's just not those types of... They it's always a more like ooh type of take, so yeah yeah totally yeah yeah they can be fun yeah so I get it, I get that aspect too I definitely think that's part of it like if I was a conspiracy theorist I would just go like a hundred ten percent look for the craziest ones why not yeah that's a good point it's like if you're gonna play make believe you might as well just go full bore like why not you're going to stay up all night until your eyes bleed reading about reptards and like whatever else, Pizzagate, all that stuff, then you might as well. Reptards. Is that not what they're called? Yeah, I, I haven't it heard It should that. be. That's if funny. it's not, then it should be. Uh. And the earth is 
flat. Flat. The Earth is flat. My reality, my senses tell me that the Earth is flat and stationary. All right. Here's another one from Tyler. What is an underrated feeling? Hmm. Tyler, your questions are thinkers. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm going to say an underrated feeling. <laughs> Obviously, I wrote this question, so I've thought about it a little bit. But I'm going to say just pushing out a good shit. <laughs> so the reason I say that is because um, I do lots of camping and oftentimes I'll do backwood camping and, and that type of stuff. So going out into places that don't have washroom facilities and um, going to the bathroom in the woods, just like squatting over a hole in the ground is terrible. It fucking sucks. <laughs> like just to put it bluntly. And so um, I think it's a really underrated feeling to just like sit on a nice toilet and push out a good shit. <laughs> no, yeah. No, yeah. No, don't, totally. That's an underrated feeling, actually. That's, uh, yeah, actually, b being comfortable when you relieve yourself. Um I yeah hunting like I've had to do it in the bush too it's it's not comfortable it's the wind is cold it's just yeah okay somebody give us another underrated <laughs> feeling and maybe not one that's so uh, graphic yeah I'm, tr I'm trying to think of one but no but that's cool I was thinking about like emotions there I was like oh, I don't know but that, that I wasn't expecting that contempt <laughs> yeah <laughs> contempt yeah <laughs> no that's true like what experience gives you a feeling that you wouldn't typically appreciate you know what's an underrated bad feeling is um when you finish um a book or a or a series like a tv series yeah. and you're like you have that yeah. post series or book depression that's... Yeah, post Witcher depression. I felt that. Oh, one. really, Witcher? Uh, I beat Witcher three, and at, when you beat Witcher three's main story, so there's a place called Caremore, which is like the building where all these um, your fellow Witchers, which are people that just hunt like mystical creatures and whatnot, all this is like the building that they all reside in with you. So it's a very like community thing. So at the end of the story, you were just brought to this giant castle, Caremore. And you are alone. <laughs> and then you can go out in the world after. But there's this moment where it's like you beat the story. And now you're just alone in the castle. And it just feels like, uh, oh, no, my life is over. <laughs> that's a good one, Joel. I actually hadn't really considered that. But it really is such a bittersweet feeling when you finish something. Um, I feel it in particular with books. But video games, for sure. Like after you yeah. beat that final boss and you hit the credits or something like that, it really is this moment where for me, sometimes I realize like how much time I've just committed to playing this. I'm like, I just spent like days of my life locked into this virtual world. And now the, f the facade is gone, right? Like the illusion has cracked and, and I'm realize I'm just sitting in my basement <laughs> I felt it at the end of uh, BoJack Horseman too, because the show like is officially done, right? They ended it, and like finishing that last episode at the end of it, I'm just like, wow. 
But I think part of the reason, I agree it's underrated because the reason you feel that post-blank depression is because you just experienced something that was like great and special. Like when you finish a really shitty um, video game or TV show, like you don't really have that feeling as much. But when it's something that you loved, then you feel it. It's interesting, I think, because I'm in such a rush to get through things also. Like if I'm playing a game or reading a book or watching a series, I'm, I, want, I want to finish it like right now. Like uh, The Mandalorian, for example, it's one episode a week. Or The Boys, when I was watching it, was one episode a week. And I'm like fiending for Fridays, just desperately waiting for the new episode to come out. And then I'm just basically like rushing myself into a depression because when it's over, I'm going to have that feeling of, of longing for something that I've seen. It's never going to come back. Well, that's the thing. Like, the, like when you say it's never going to come back, it's almost like something dies, right? Like, like you're never going to experience that thing in the same way again. I mean, you can always rewatch and pl- replay things, I guess, but like that, yeah, you're never going to experience it that same special way again. What's an underrated feeling for you, Colton? I feel like when you're a kid and you're playing with toys, like it's like you're transported. Like you don't just see the toys in your hand. Like you don't just see like an action figure or a block or a car. You're like, it's an entire universe. Like you're watching a movie and somehow your hands are doing it, but your eyes are seeing a whole movie that you're creating. Guys flying through the air, hitting each other and all this stuff. Like you're really in this in-depth experience that you grow out of because suddenly you get around the age of 11-ish, and suddenly when you look, you see a toy. You don't see what you were seeing before. You see a toy. And it, honestly, it's like after that, it's like, okay, I need to be with other people to have fun. So I think that's kind of an underrated feeling is just when you're very young, what toys can really do to you. That's a really good one. Yeah. It, it makes me think of um, – everybody's always been – well – I mean, I've been asked multiple times in my life, like, oh, you know, what do you think heaven's like? Or what do you think happens when you die and this and that? And uh, my answer has always been like, I don't know what happens, but I hope that I just get to be a kid again, like get to live out my years from basically six to 12 and run around on the farm and play swords with my brother, like create these imaginary worlds and play with toys and do that type of stuff. And I think it's because of that feeling that you're describing right now. Totally. Yeah, I'm deep in thought about that one right now. That's why I'm not saying anything. I'm just like (laughs) reflecting on my childhood right now. (laughs) Joel wants to go grab an action figure real quick. (laughs) Right after the podcast, he's grabbing an action figure. I don't know. I just remember being a kid and having a bunch of toys on the carpet with me. And it was literally like being like doing having a movie that I was like dreams almost it was like dreams it was like dreaming and it's just like now like even video games which are so much more advanced they don't give me that same type of thing you know it's and I feel like that's also a thing with like um why it's I think that it's better for kids to have toys that don't do all the creativity for them right like I see these toys now where you hit a button 
and then a car drives through a whole thing and then goes back to the top. And so you can just hit the button and the car drive through the whole thing, comes back to the top again. And it's like, I feel like these toy companies that whoever designed that forgot that like, when you're a kid, you can give a kid like a green little block and to them, it's a dinosaur, like, and they'll create a whole thing out of that. But what could a kid do with that little button? What can they imagine and get into? Like, it just does too much of the work for them to really enjoy it, I think. When I have kids, I'm just going to give them two rocks to smash together. (laughs) Here's some rocks. Bang them together. Work on your imagination. (laughs) Can, Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be interesting? Like, if we create all of these advanced toys and iPads and all this crazy stuff, and the end result is we essentially evolve out of having an imagination or something like that. Like, say, 100 years down the line, Oh, you just take your kid and you just plug him into the VR set and he goes to school there and he like, you know, that's how he gets entertained. I mean, people kind of do it in a sense now with their iPads, right? You, just, yeah. you want a virtual babysitter, just like plug the kid in and imagine, like I said, a hundred years of evolution later and like kids are unable to have original thoughts and just like there is this magical feeling that we're talking about. Just like is it's like some obscure German word <laughs> that like Definitely. we don't, uh, we doesn't translate. Yeah. Well, if it's a German word, then it also has to do with pain somehow. Yeah. <laughs> has to be about enjoying the suffering of kids not getting to play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, it can't just be positive. It's a German word. Meine Arbeit für Richtigkeits. Ob du glaubst, dass ich fleißig gewesen bin, dass ich gearbeitet habe. But, um, no, yeah, I agree. And I don't think I'd want my kids to play with an iPad. And, like, whenever you see a kid with an iPad in a store and the mom, like, takes away the iPad, the kid has, like, a mental breakdown. I don't know if that's a good sign that the kid should be playing with that. Yeah, I think think the dopamine influx that that kid is just getting nonstop is, and then, yeah, I think that's why they freak out when they get it taken away. I think it, I, I can't, like, I'm not quoting anything um, scientific here, but I do remember reading something along those lines. And, and I know for a fact, I read something where it's like kids who like kids are already showing um, a reduction in uh their handwriting quality because they're not they're spending all their time on not all their time right. but a bunch of time on like crayons and phones stuff. and shit and they're not they're not developing their like motor m- hand muscles yeah. to be yeah I, I i can't help but feeling like a bit of an old man when i talk about this though because every person thinks that kids should have the same fun experiences that they did like your grandparents mm-hmm. always be like why do you play the video games when you could be uh, cleaning the garden or whatever they say because uh, that's what i enjoyed mm-hmm. and so i can't help but feel a little bit like that but i still hold that yeah i think it's better if you just let them be creative with toys yeah it's definitely a balance like we said on other things just got to balance it what a stupid question that is what a stupid question but i watch you a lot you ask a lot of stupid questions and here is another question if bugs became the size of horses, which ones would be most useful? Whoa, I, okay. 
You thought it was going to be about scary. No, no, no. Can't ants carry, like, multiple times their body weight or something like that? Yes. Yeah, so if you're looking a for great, a useful a great pick. work ant, <laughs> a useful working insect, then I'd say probably an ant. Honestly, if insects were the size of horses, they would be terrifying. They would be, like, insane killing machines. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that I that um back like when dinosaurs and shit were around there were bugs that were like colossal because the oxygen content in the in the air was way higher that could support them and there was like i can't remember how big but i think it was like yeah like bird-sized bugs bird-sized mosquitoes and like yeah things uh things can get smaller and bigger depending on their environment it's very strange uh, man, imagine a horse-sized worm. How disgusting that would be. I feel like we could, like, use that, right? Because they dig really well. Like, we could easily just get one of those Elon Musk brain chips, uh, stick it all in the worm there. <laughs> what about uh, grasshoppers? They could be useful. To do what? Yeah, I don't know what exactly. <laughs> Put a trailer hitch on that thing. <laughs> yeah. They would just be able to jump so much further. Yeah, but imagine they, they'd probably cause like a famine or something. Like just regular swarms of um, grasshoppers do that already. So imagine if they were horse-sized. We'd be, we would have a real problem. We'd be out there just hunting grasshopper <laughs> all the time. Oh, you know what's interesting though? They might be a great food source. Yeah. Because aren't they super high in protein? And if they were horse, we Crickets tend to are. eat things that are horse sized. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. all of the animals we eat are kind of horse sized, yeah, right? So, I mean, if you had an insect that was horse sized, probably we'd be farming it and eating it. So that might actually solve some problems for us. Good, good observation. I, I meant like if there's enough uh, like flowers to support it, horse sized honeybees would make just a shitload of honey like everybody would have just like a a pet a not a pet bee but like a bee in their yard just like pumping out honey that'd be useful i think that would be a terrifying and terrible one to be honest like the only thing that gives me confidence around bees is the fact that like if they get too close i will kill them <laughs> yeah i know that we bees won't. i know we're supposed to save the bees and i do do my best to save the bees I don't kill the bees. Let me make myself perfectly <laughs> clear. But, you know, fuck around, you won't be around, bee. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I guess that's the motto when it comes to bees. Okay, here's another question. This one is uh, from Tyler. Would you rather have sex with your mom or your dad? <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> yeah i've been waiting in fear that this one might actually come up uh, through some course in the podcast um why did you write it oftentimes when i'm with my buddies or like my friends and we're playing would you rather this is kind of my go-to question <laughs> i'm not sure what the what if scenario is let's just say what if your parents 
Uh, both were interested in you. Which one would you rather? There you go. Now it's a what if scenario. Whenever I posit this to my friends, I, I set the scenario up as if there's a home intruder. You're, you're the victim of a home invasion and like gun to your head. Either your mom or your dad or will kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you can pick everybody else dies. I guess you could, but I mean, would you really pick that option? No. So who would you pick? Well, you, uh, Tyler, you have to go first. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly don't know because um, I feel like if you like had sex with your dad, it's kind of like a dominant thing. <laughs> like that's, you know, you become kind of the alpha gorilla type deal. So <laughs> that could be sick. I'm just going to say dad so that I don't have to think about <laughs> the options anymore. Yeah, I'm going to go with dad too. It's less awkward. I'm just like sitting here pondering my options and I'm like, I don't want to think about this. I guess if you say mom, it's like kind of Freudian, hey? <laughs> In what sense? Like Freud, that was his big theory was that everybody like subconsciously wants to have sex with their mother. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like the opitus uh, complex, something like that. I don't remember how to pronounce it. Like, he's saying that that's what people look for in partners? Or he's saying they actually want to... Well, he argues that um, men want to replace their fathers, essentially, like, in life. Mm. And so, as a result of that, like, evolutionary instinct, when they're young, in some developmental stage, they have deep or not-so-deep thoughts about, uh, yeah, spending spending a late night with their mama. <laughs> But the, it's I, is it true? I mean, I don't know. It's, you know. And then uh, another one of his theories is that women develop uh, penis envy because they wish that they had penises. But most modern psychologists do not back up this theory. <laughs> That's such a, like, insane man thing to think, right? Like, yeah. that women would be so envious of their penis that they would want one for themselves. Like, no. <laughs> what was his backing of that like what what do what were his claims oh i don't actually remember it, he was just you know he was kind of crazy too <laughs> i think he probably felt these things himself and then like ended up going into psychology and his theories were kind of so off the wall at a time where people were like nobody had ever thought of something like that or conceptualized something like that that it was just you know accepted like, he is the father of modern psychology. So, like, you know, hey, respect to him still, but at the same time, like, yeah. Obviously, whoever is the first one of a thing. He might have had some misses. <laughs> yeah, yeah you bound to have some misses, Freud. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have some misses when you're the first, right? So, yeah. That turned into a, a decent question. I discovered some important new facts. And uh, that's all our questions today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye.